Welcome to the SBP Podcast, a voice of mobile film. I am Susie Botello, and this is episode 54. About a month ago, I received a message about a filmmaker and some actors who wanted to connect with me because they shot a feature film with an iPhone. And they wanted to take part in the International Mobile Film Festival here in San Diego. I gladly connected with them, but I shared our film festival was taking place at the end of April this month. So they told me about the actors and that they had some fame in Hollywood films. And the film that they mentioned, the one that stood out, just happens to be my personal most favorite film and has been for many years. As much as I wanted to include their film in our film festival, the deadline for submissions had passed. It passed at the end of last year. So if any one of you has ever tried to submit a film after a deadline to our film festival, or perhaps one that did not qualify according to the rules, then you may be pleased to know that I still did not accept their film as a submission. But if there was ever a time that I wanted to break the rules... This was that time. I did, however, find the backstory very interesting. And I also have to say that the director of the film, Steph Harris, and his principal actors are incredibly awesome. Our film festival is coming up on April 27th and 28th here in San Diego. Tickets are now on sale. And I'm not kidding. The space is limited. So, Get your tickets and don't miss out. Go to www.sbp.cc on your web browser and click on tickets. Or you can go to internationalmobilefilmfestival.com. Watch feature and short films shot with smartphones and meet their creators from around the whole world in person right here in San Diego. This episode is a discussion with the director of Blue Moon, filmed in New Zealand. Next week, we will share another discussion with one of the protagonists of the film, Jed Brophy. Steph Harris is a cop on the front lines in New Zealand, and his film, Blue Moon, was the result of a photo that was shot on his iPhone. Join me, and let's listen to his story. Hey everybody, welcome to the SBP podcast. I am here with Steph Hart Harris. Steph is in New Zealand and um, we're here talking with him because, um, well, he got in touch with us and told us he made a feature film and the trailer and the film that I saw was amazing and it was very good. So wanted to share that with every one of you and hopes of inspiring you to make more feature films, but mainly to share your awesome stories, same way that Steph did. Steph, why don't you introduce uh, or let the listeners know where you are and just a touch about the film and then who you are, like how you came to be a filmmaker. Okay. Uh, yeah, so my name is Steph. I come from uh, New Zealand. 
I live in a small town called Motueka, which um, we've got about 5,000 people here. Uh, I had, um, my day job is, is I'm a police officer and I just work a regular uniform patrol. And uh, I, I was I very much wanted to make a, make a film. And uh, I was gassing up my patrol car about 4.20 in the morning. And uh, I, took, I looked at the pe- petrol station, it was lit up it, like a spaceship in the night. And I thought, <laughs> I thought it, looked, it looked quite beautiful. And uh, so without thinking, I took my camera, my uh, police issue iPhone, out of my pocket and um, and took a shot of it and and that picture of the gas station became the founding document of, of, of our film. How did that how did that come to be? Because we all take a lot of pictures all the time. We see we don't see spaceships, <laughs> <laughs> but but we do see some pretty interesting things and we just snap a picture, sort of like tucking it into our memory, you know, so we can go back later and check them out. But how did that turn into a story for a film. Yeah, well, I, I've, my probably um, the film that's probably affected me the most would be Two Thousand One Space Odyssey, hmm. and this this gas station was sitting there lit up in in the four twenty in the morning in the darkness, and it just looked like a spaceship. It, it was it, it was a space that was that was lit up, and the rest of the town was asleep. And just this, this place was there, and it just occurred to me that it was a perfect place to set a drama. It was also pre-lit, which was nice. Um, so, so then from there, I went and developed a story that could um, that could take place in the petrol station. And when you developed that story, um, were you thinking it was going to be a film, or were you, you just? Well, do you mind if I ask you something? And just let me back up a little bit. How does a police officer become um, a writer and and creatively think about even making a movie? Not even going into the whole iPhone thing yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, if we back the truck right up, um, I started as a teenager with um, Super Eight. Super Eight movies, oh. and made little six and seven minute short films when when I was like fourteen years old, and um, we had on on this is back in the in the nineteen seventies, we had on um, television then a, a television kids film competition, and I remember that uh, Peter Jackson uh, won the this this contest with with a he made a film about a cyclops a plasticine cyclops that was chasing some kids and uh and, and as i say peter won won it and i um i got a, a, a lesser prize for, for for another film i made and so that, that's where where i sort of got the um the enthusiasm for film uh and then as a 17 year old i made a 16 millimeter film uh which was 24 minutes long it was a drama but that was lost in a um, the sound um, recording studio. <laughs> this is back in the um, days of magnetic soundtracks. That that studio went bust, and my film was um, was lost forever. <laughs> so, kind of then, like kind of like things that happen these days with hard drives, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but in those days, yeah, it was very difficult to make a backup. Yeah. Of, of, 
16 millimeter film. Um, yeah, and then uh, and, and then I settled down and became police officer and raised a family. And then um, about 2005, I had a midlife crisis and um, went ahead and made my first feature film, uh, and and that was um, that was called the Waimati Conspiracy, and it was a, a Maori land claim story, uh, which I shot in six days on a broadcast video camera. Those days, that was it was cutting edge to make a feature film on a, on a video camera. Um, but we think nothing of it these days. But, um, but it only took you six days. Yeah, it was basically my my plan was to um, I, I invited the the actors that I wanted to come to this small town called Waimati, uh, and there I had I'd rented a scout uh, camp, <laughs> so I had accommodation for them, and of course I had a kitchen. And so, so we fed them and accommodated them for the week, and it, it was the Christmas holidays. So, so I just said, if you guys come and help me for this week, we're going to make a feature film. And uh, and so we did. We we did. We pulled it off uh, in six days flat. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, do, do do any actors ever say no to you, Steph? <laughs> that, it's it's kind of a, a a bit of an industry secret, but if if you write the sort of story that the actors desperately want to work on, then um, they will move heaven and earth to, to work with you. And um, and that's certainly what, what I've found and, and always found it easy to, um, to attract um, actors. I've actually had actors as guests on the show here, and, um, and that's actually what they've said to me too, because uh, I've asked them, what made you want to be especially the the more professional actors and what what made you want to be or even th- consider being in a film that was shot with a phone and they always say not that you shot that film with a phone but they always say it's the story and if it's a really good story um then we definitely want to be a part of it so that makes sense but you got to get them to read the story <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that might not be a, a bad segue to talk a little bit about um, about uh, the actors that are in this film in Blue Moon. Yeah, so um, so Mark Hadlow, I've uh, I've known Mark for probably thirty five years. Um, he, he was he was in the first film that I made, that the sixteen millimeter one that was lost forever. <laughs> Wow. So you, you've known each other since you were kids, huh? Yeah, that's right. And uh, and then many years later, when, when I got to the to the Waimata Conspiracy, what actually happened was I'd written a novel called called The Waikakamukau Conspiracy. And and uh, I asked Mark to come and come to the book launch and and uh, and launch the the novel. And as a result of that, when he read it, he he got very enthusiastic and thought it should be made into a film. So um, yeah, so Mark and I sort of went in for a long time. We're trying to get that film made, and and eventually we did shoot it. But yeah, so so when when it came to Blue Moon, um, it, it, it this film kind of went round the other way. It was Mark and I and Jed were talking about you know what what could we do? We'd, we'd like to work together. We'd like to make a film. And, um, 
uh, many times we'd said, you know, why don't we just shoot something on, on a phone? And we'd never been serious about it. Uh, and, and I started to think, um, if, if, we, if we turn this around, if we were going to shoot a film on a phone in maybe a week. Where did you even hear about shooting movies on the phones, by the way? Um, I had seen the one, um, uh, yeah, I, I was aware of, of, of a, a couple of high-profile films that had been um, made, made on, on cell phones. Okay. Uh, and there was the ones that got the most media attention. You mean, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There was, and there, there was one that was in South by Southwest. I'm just trying to think. What, in Sundance, perhaps. I'm just trying to think of the name of it. Um, was it a more recent one, or was this back in 2015? Yeah. Or it was on an iPhone five, and uh, I think you mean Tangerine, maybe. Tangerine. Yes, yes. Okay. I found out about Tangerine. Yeah. And so yes, and so so we we talked about it a little bit, and uh, yeah, and I said so if we did it, uh, how would we do it? And and that's that's when I, th- I thought we we needed to be have a single location, and we needed to um, shoot in in real time. So so this story goes from four twenty in the morning to six o'clock in the morning, which mm-hmm. which which gives us no. Um, no changes of location, no changes of costume, no changes of uh, lighting even, which, which gave us a, a straight run. So basically we were doing a play and filming it. And you had no room for errors that way either. The, um, no, the, the gas station is, is a working business uh, and it closes, at, um, it closes at midnight and opens again at five in the morning. So, so we had uh, five hours each night. Uh, for six nights. So you you shared the photo, or you you shared the screenplay with Mark, right? Yeah. Initially, I, I wrote a like a, an eight page uh, treatment, and with with, with the photograph of, of the location, <laughs> and I sent it off to Mark and said, "What do you think?" And um, he he was very enthusiastic, and um, and and so was Jed. Um, so as a result, I. I created a um, screenplay, and then every month I wrote a new draft, building up for a year up to the shoot date. How did Jed come into the picture? So Jed, um, I, I met Jed through Mark. Um, the three of us had uh, had worked on a few um, proposed projects in the past, and, and we, we definitely wanted to work together on something. So, so those were the building blocks I had. I knew I had Mark and Jed. I knew how they... Um, how they work together, how they would look on screen, and, and what they could do. Uh, so I built our, we haven't a story with, around them. Yeah, we haven't shared with anyone yet who where they may recognise these two guys. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so both both Mark and Jed have are um, dwarves in the uh, in the Hobbit series of films, uh, but they've also been in um, Lord of the Rings and. Um, Mark was in um, King Kong. Jed's been in, in all ki- all kinds of um, pretty much all of Peter Jackson's movies. So you've you've seen them on the big screen, literally, not on the iPhone. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so go on. So then you had uh, various drafts, and then you finalized it. And then, how did you get the location? I mean, I know that was everything was centered around that location, right? 
Yeah, that was that, that was my dream location that I focused on, and eventually the time came I had to go and find out who who owned it and, and what was it going to be possible. Um, so I, I went to, and introduced myself to the owner, a guy called Brett Stevens, and uh, lucky for me, it turned out he was the stunt driver in one of the earliest New Zealand films, uh, Shaker Run. Huh. And so, so Brett had, um, he had been the stand-in for Leif Garrett, who was the star of that film, yeah. and had to wear a long, flowing blonde wig and, uh, and drive all these, all these stunt cars. And, uh, yeah, and he'd uh, retired from the film industry and, and wound up um, owning a, a garage in Motueka. So, so when I told him what I planned to do, he just threw me the keys to the building and that was that. Was that. Just do it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He thought it would be a great thing for our town, um, and he was happy to do whatever he could do. And he also helped me with um, locating things we needed, like cranes, uh, a couple of vehicles, and just other bits and pieces. And he um, and he plays a part in the film. He's he's day shift Dave right at the end, <laughs> who uh, ah. takes takes over from Mark Hadlow after after the the yeah. long night. Oh, cool. So you have the, that, that's pretty cool to know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, when you're making a, a film in a small town, it's, it's about trying to be inclusive and, and get people enthusiastic and, and um, joining in, in the effort to make it. And you also have, uh, is it Mark's real daughter? That's, that's also in the, in the film. That That's correct. We, um, we auditioned uh, about thirty young women for the role, and we had uh, and we'd, we'd um, yeah we'd done done several days of auditions, and uh, and what happened and, and I think it was Mark um, showed me a tape uh, of of because um, Olivia was in, in another she was in Auckland at the time, so so she'd done a tape on on, a, on an iPhone and. Um, sent it in and um yeah it was it was there was no question that she was she was the daughter yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and her dad would vouch for that <laughs> yeah so okay so now you had the location did you have to rearrange anything or or how did how did that come about because i mean there's there's a little bit i mean it's not an actual action film but there's a little bit of action in the film yeah we we had um so we had we had the, the gas station and we used because obviously when you have a, just a single location you have to think how how are we going to keep this interesting and uh, so we used every um, every square inch of that gas station we, we had scenes behind the counter we had scenes in the back office we had scenes in the in the toilet in the storeroom uh, at every part of of the store area and then outside. And on the forecourt, yeah. and then across the road, we built a little park. That there's a sort of a clock tower there, but we we trucked in some trees and boxes and some park benches and, and a telephone box, and 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 we pre-lit that little park area, so that um, we actually had eight lights over there, but we just flicked one switch and they all came on, and 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 that was pre-lit like like a stage, like because I just didn't have time to to light shot by shot. Right. So, so my idea was to have 
have a, a pre-lit soundstage so that we could flip one switch and um, and start filming. Very cool. And now let me ask you something. Um, when it came to because there's a lot of dialogue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and you know I I've been on film set. I was a script supervisor actually on film sets, and so um, I can't imagine how much of that dialogue um, was it there was room for ad-libbing right or it, it, it seems like that doesn't it um th this is this is different i mean I, i'm a writer first and foremost I, i've i've got interested in films and only to to serve my um my desire to, to write and um and, and you can you can see this as a writer's film because it's uh, it, it's it's so talky um and uh yeah this there, there it i wanted it to feel like it's ad-libbed yeah <laughs> but well, uh, but it's it's absolutely scripted um it's amazing through the whole thing and and the technique i used was was neither of them ever directly answers what the other one's asking <laughs> so so they're always um obfuscating and uh shying away and never quite mentioning what what it is that's at the heart of of, of their um, conflict, because these are two guys who are meeting in their fifties, and they haven't uh, haven't seen each other since they were teenagers. And, um, maybe what, that now what, maybe now is a it's a good time to share with the listeners just a little bit about the synopsis of the story. Sure. So. Um, Basically, Horace Jones is a, uh, a failed businessman who's in quite a lot of uh, financial trouble, um, and he is working the, the the night shift in his gas station that's going bankrupt. Um, and he he owes a lot of money, and he's got a lot of bills, and he's in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and uh, and his daughter uh, turns up, and she's very suspicious because he's he's been working in the gas station, hasn't told the family that he's doing that. He's pretending that he's still in China on a business deal. <laughs> so he uh, he manages to to calm his daughter down, and and um, it's four o'clock in the morning. So he gets her to to go to go to sleep in, in the back storeroom where he's been sleeping when he gets the chance, and he says he'll t he'll drive her back to university in the morning. Uh, when a um, fairly dangerous looking thug turns up at the gas station, uh, goes into the bathroom and dies in there. And um, that leaves um, leaves Horace with a bit of a dilemma because he doesn't want to be found out. He's, he's got the Inland Revenue looking for him. That's the tax department. Um, and uh, so he decides to drag the body across the street and leave it in the park over there so that um, he won't be he won't be dragged into into an investigation, and then he finds that the guy had half a million dollars of drug money on him, and of course, foolishly decides to keep that to solve his financial problems. And uh, as a result of that decision, uh, a drug enforcer, Darren Cates, turns up at the gas station to find the money, and it's um. It's the same Darren Cates that he went to um, Christ College with, and they both sang in the choir together. And so, <laughs> so the whole rest of the film is these these two guys with this um, this dilemma, um, and the uh, and the fact that they were 
they were at um, at college together forty years ago, and and something something shocking happened at college, which they never quite um, they, neither man actual actually mentions. There's a there's a lot in the in the story that's really interesting. I'm just surprised, to be quite honest with you, that they were that that you that there was no ad libbing because you shot it in about thirty hours, right? So you really yeah. you really only had one take, basically. Um, not that you shot it all in one take, but you didn't have much time to go back and do take after take after take due to the lines. And they had to study all the dialogue, right, uh, in order to get this done fairly quickly. Yeah, that, that's right. There was, um, th- let's see, the, about the first 20 minutes of the film is, um, is Horace on his own and his, his, his daughter arrives. But then after that, there's uh, there's a good hour, which is is the interaction with the two actors, yeah. and, and and those two actors are are in in the in this tense conflict for for an hour, until it's resolved, and that hour, we broke down into about I think it was eight bites into eight scenes, and Mark and Jed learned those uh, each of, each of those eight scenes. They learned those like like um, stage production, yeah. So that they they so they could perform the whole the whole eight minute in in one go. And what I tried to do uh, as a director was just get out of their way. So so because because we had the iPhone was on a, on a handheld gimbal, I, I wanted it to I wanted the camera to move around to slide around as as if um, as if we were just an observer, just someone that happened to be there and that they didn't notice. And I, I tried to let them go for the whole, for the whole scene w- without interrupting. Um, and and um, many times, yeah, they would they would do the whole eight minutes, and then I'd come in, uh, get them to do it again, and I'd come in and shoot it in close-ups, um, and and we'd we'd get through quite a lot of footage quite quite fast. Yeah, because I imagine, I mean. There, there also was a lot of blocking, and it probably helped a lot to have that just you with the um, the gimbal and the iPhone instead of you know the whole big rig. Yeah, absolutely. If if we had if we had um, put down tripod legs or, or started to pre light to, to to light shots and scenes individually, mm-hmm. uh, we would have been dead in the water. We, we we never would have finished the film. We wouldn't have got close. Um, so yeah, absolutely. What key to us succeeding was was for this to be a, um, a handheld, and it, it just gives it makes the style of the film so much more interesting to watch. But because of the iPhone, we, we couldn't pull focus. Yeah. So so we, we needed to move the camera, and um, and to, to keep to keep it interesting. And. Um... Aesthetically, um, it does look great. Uh, sometimes that's done. I mean, there's no doubt that part of that has to be done during production, and some of it can be done in post-production. Um, did you guys uh, use an app during production? Uh, yes, we, we used Filmic Pro. Okay. And uh, that, that, worked, that worked very well for us. I'm just thinking one of the uh, horror stories we had because we're in a um, 
we're in a, a gas station at night. Yeah. It's dark outside, which is great. <laughs> night time's a special effect, which we got for free. But You have a mirror but, effect with the windows. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. but every window, yeah, wrap, and wrapping right around the building is, is a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so we ended up with the crew, because we've got all these stands with um, food and, and chocolates and, and things, we ended up with everybody ducking down behind all these stands <laughs> for every take. And even then, we, we still got reflections in the glass, which we had, had to, um, yeah, try to be aware of and, and um, get rid of them. It was it was absolutely filming in a house of mirrors. <laughs> um, and the other thing we had that that, that we didn't expect is we had, um, when we got there, the sound guys, when, when they plugged their gear in, uh, of course, we had, had about 10 fridges in the room, yeah. refrigerators and freezers and and pie warmers and 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 the lights that are usually there also home a lot yeah all these things and and so we ended up we had to take all the um we unplugged all the fridges yeah and we took the ice from out the front of the place and we packed it down so that (laughs) to try to preserve all the products (laughs) but we still ended up with soggy ice creams every day for a week (laughs) um which which the owner forgave us for (laughs) um (laughs) Should have just invited a few kids to take advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lucky we we had we had a very good uh, sound sound engineer. Yeah. Uh, when when I when I was raising funds to make this happen, I, I put a uh, there were a number of stories in our local newspaper in Motueka, and um, a guy contacted me, Ben Dunker, mm. and uh, he was a sound engineer, and he'd recently. Um, retired from Hollywood so that he could run a luxury lodge here in, in Motueka. We're right on the edge of the Abel Tasman National Park, which is like a forest uh, forest on the edge of a beach. It's nice. a beautiful place. Yeah, so um, so Ben had come here to retire from the film industry, and his last film was Inglorious Bastards with um, Quentin Tarantino. Mm. And, uh, and he volunteered to, to help me with, with this project. Like I said, yeah. no one says no to you, right? <laughs> no, well, it was only, it was only for a week, and uh, <laughs> he just thought it would be fun for his for his um, colleagues and friends back back in Germany to um, to see that he was he was in New Zealand living the <laughs> living the the Kiwi lifestyle, but still making the odd film, right? On phones, on an iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Another person that came out of the woodwork. Um, was uh, Dan Henner, who um, was the set designer for Lord of the Rings, who uh, won the Oscar for that film. Wow. And uh, Dan is also, um, has a home locally here. And uh, he, um, I contacted him and I needed some help with special effects with the, uh, because we, we do have, um, we have, um, a shooting and, and a bit of blood and, and we have um, a couple of guns going off and things and, and um, so Dan helped with, with all those things. Very cool. You Now, what about the... So you're, you're the pol- a police officer, but did you did you use props for guns or did you just use real guns? We... Uh, let's see. We used... Uh, for, for the shotgun, that was, uh, that was a real gun that we sourced through, um, through, through Dan... Um, yeah, he, he, uh, he, he has quite a collection for, of, of 
guns for film props, cool. and so and so that was that was good, um, and we we used uh, blank blank ammunition to to uh, so it's it's basically ammunition with no projectile, gunpowder and and and, uh, and cork. Jed does a, some pretty good acting, um, you know, and so does Mark when they're fighting. But I, you know, it's almost like watching two two high schoolers have it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it but it turned out to be more serious than than you know than what it appears to be because it just seems like a little bit of a scuffle. But it gets pretty serious. Yeah, yeah we we, we we had to have this fight scene, and I wanted, I didn't want to have um, just a standard, a standard movie fight. Right. Um, you know, quite quite often in films, when when it gets to the fist fight, that's when that's when people um, go and make a cup of tea because it's 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 just the same fight that we've all seen over and over. So so I wanted this I wanted this fight to actually tell a story. And the, and the story was that um, uh, Horace Jones is the is guy who's been a businessman. He's got six children, um, and when he gets in a fight, it's uh, it's not going to end well because he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Darren Cates is uh, a gang enforcer, um, and he's he's been doing this his whole life, and so it was a very uneven, um, very uneven affair. And that's what I want it to look like. I want it to look like what happens when your um, when your dad tries to stand up to a gang member. It just doesn't doesn't work. <laughs> well, I don't want to give away, you know, too much of the film itself as far as that's concerned. But I do like all these all these stories of how everything came together. Uh, but one thing I think our listeners also learn from um, with these are, you know, the things that can go wrong. And and how you take care of them. Um, you've been, I mean, you're a professional, right, a filmmaker. Uh, but some of the people that are making films with iPhones are not do not. They have to make a lot of mistakes before they get there. Um, yeah. But um, you know, the one thing I can tell you in in having have. Uh, had this film festival for so long and we do Q and A's and things like that. And then there's the podcast is that there's a lot to learn on this. Um, whether you're a novice, you know, or whether you're a professional, uh, sometimes, uh, it's been the case in our film festival where someone who's never stepped on a film set before, but has made maybe three or four films with their iPhone can teach something to someone who's, you know, uh, a, a professional filmmaker whose first time uh, filmmaking with an iPhone or or a, any kind of a smartphone. Um, was there any instance like that that you you had there? Yeah, we, we were all um, out of our depth um, tr- trying to do something that's seemingly impossible to, to pull <laughs> together a feature film in, in six nights uh, and short nights at that. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a struggle, uh, and, and yeah, all of us were sort of pushing ourselves to, to our absolute limits of our ability. But um, we, you know, we got there. We got there in the end. Was there what um, what other surprises did you have that you didn't expect? Because, um, or maybe I should flip that question around. What what 
surprises did you have on the good side that you thought maybe you were going to have a problem because it was a smartphone as opposed to, you know, your traditional camera, but you found out that, hey, that, that still worked pretty well with the phone. Yeah. Um, no, the, the phone didn't pose us any problems at all. We, we, we were worried about um, battery capacity and we, we had, um, I think we had three phones available to us and, and uh, so that we could keep swapping the batteries and uh, th- that didn't seem to be a problem. Um, we, w- we were concerned about overheating and once again, that never came to pass. Um, we, we, ca- we had a data wrangler um, on, on set yeah. the whole time so that uh, we, w- we would offload the, um, the, 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 footage. the footage onto, onto, um, onto a computer as we went and, uh, and also look for um, continuity errors as well at the same time. So, um, yeah, we, we didn't have any, any problems at all with the phone. That's awesome. And, and of course, you did do the, the sound. Um, you captured all the sound externally, right? We, we did. We captured that separately. And, um, and we, we had um, that very, very experienced sound, sound recordist working on that. So, so that, um, that was very, very good for us. And you didn't have to go back and do any retakes or anything, huh? We, no, we had no potential for that. And um, as a result, we, we had to um, be very careful to, to get everything. That's amazing. So, so um, let me ask you uh, another couple of questions uh, regarding you more than, than this. So you said, so I'm, I'm just a little curious here, and maybe some of our listeners are too, uh, because it sounds like you grew up it sounds like you your dream was to be a movie maker, right? A filmmaker. What made you decide to go into being a policeman? Um, yeah, well, I, I guess when I uh, at that time that the film industry in New Zealand was um, there was there hardly was one, and uh, yeah, so, so yeah, there was there was very little opportunity back back in those days. Um, that there's an awful lot more opportunities now than, than there were then um and it's just over the years the, the dream has never has never sort of completely died for me um so i, I keep coming back to it and, and thinking well maybe just maybe i'll just make one more film um and and uh yeah that was my my next question speaking about one more film do you plan to make more films now that you've already made one with a smartphone do you plan on making more films with the phones uh definitely i i def- i have more stories um that that i that i want to tell uh so yeah i, I will definitely make another film whether it's um with, with a smartphone or with with uh, with another uh type of camera but it will, I'll definitely make another film this this one particular um, film uh, well actually I should say your whole experience right uh, Steph um, what advice would you give to someone who's never made a film before doesn't have the camera doesn't know any actors or anything like that but they they have stories we all have stories and they they have a vision for their story that could be made into a film. How what advice would you give to them? Well, first, I think I think just go ahead and do it. 
um, don't let anything get in the way of that. Um, with with the first the first film that I uh, directed, the the, um, the, the Waimata Conspiracy, when I went into it, I, I was very aware that all the people involved were knew more about filmmaking than I did. You know, the, the camera guy, um, the, the the editor, the technical people they all they all had superior um, technical knowledge, but I knew that I knew more about my film than any of them. And it was my story, and I wanted to make it. And you just you've just got to take a, a gamble on yourself and and believe that you that you can do it. it, it making a film is really a series of of small challenges. Um, it's just there's a lot of them. And um, sometimes it's you know uh, once you step into the water, right? Um, you find things and you find ways and, and people that come along to, to give you a hand, but you have to take those steps. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll always find uh, collaborators, people that, 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 want to, that want to help. I mean, um, where I am, there's, there's a, we have a group, a club of, of filmmakers, and um, you know, the, those guys go out and they make um, short films every weekend, and, and they, they have a wealth of knowledge and equipment and, and and they were, they were very willing to get involved and, and um, help along the way. And, and you'll always find those people wherever you are. Feature film, feature films, you know, you were just talking about making short films on the weekends. Um, but what about um, feature films? What would you say is the biggest challenge between a short film and a feature film, no matter what you're shooting on? Uh, well, it, it's, it's my personal opinion that... that Every, every film is sixty percent story. It, it's um, and at the writing stage, you can you can do more to improve your film than at any other stage. In, in fact, I think in the um, in the shoot is 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 the the time that you have almost no potential to 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 correct your mistakes because you you're um, you're so busy just shooting the film. Um, you need to have made all your decisions ahead of time, um, and then when you get to to the uh, the edit, you have a little bit of a little bit of um, room there to try and correct your errors. When you went about to to make this film, right? Um, you you said you used a Filmic Pro, you used a gimbal and and things like that. Did you find out about the gear? Uh, did you do any testing and then found you know realized you needed gear and then shot it or did you already know about the gear and what you needed and then was that part of the you know okay I, I can make a feature film because I know I have these tools available yeah so I, I, uh, I relied heavily on my cinematographer Ryan O'Rourke um, he's uh, he, he's also a policeman and right. also a cinematographer because <laughs> if uh, you want to be a filmmaker in New Zealand you have to be in the police force right <laughs> Well, it's just that some of my friends are. Right. <laughs> that's that's their other interest. Um, and again, we've just gravitated together. I mean, all, all the police in the film, of which I think there's six, they're, they're all real police and uh, first-time actors. Yeah, so um, so I said to Ryan, you know, we're thinking of making this film on iPhone. And it was him that went and did, did all the study. And he came back to me and said, we need this moon dog anamorphic lens so so I got hold of that and we needed the the gimbal and so we got we got that and we practiced we wanted to have some long tracking shots in and out of the gas station across the forecourt yeah 
Yeah. And we, we, we tried with a shopping cart, but the problem was it jiggered around too much. So I ended up, I went to the uh, to the retirement home and they had this rickshaw and it was it was an e-bike, but on the front it had a two-seater sort of a couch. Mm-hmm. And you, you could, and what happened, they sit people on the front seat and just ride, drive them around so they, they could get a look around the neighbourhood. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I borrowed that and we put the, um, put the camera on, on that uh, rickshaw and it worked perfectly. Yeah, back in my day, this was years and years and years ago, we used to go to um, uh, the San Diego Blood Bank and borrow a wheelchair and we'd take it away on the weekend to shoot some um, commercials and things like that. Yeah. Um, and they were very smooth because, you know, they're wheelchairs, so there's, you know, fragile people um you know, writing them so they want them to be very smooth. We all, we felt like we were so tricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter how you how you get the effect if it's yeah. if it's if it works. You, yeah, it's great. So, um, so you had the gear, and then you and and then you just trusted it, trusted everything, and went ahead and and shot everything. I can't I can't tell you enough how. Um, how great the acting was between Jed and and Mark, and of course his daughter also brought uh, something to the to the story just just from her acting skills as well. Was she also an actor before, or uh, yes, she had done uh, stage acting. Okay. Uh, um, I, I don't know if she if she'd done any any short films, but um, this was certainly her first feature film, so. I'm finding that a lot of um, stage actors are making their own films uh, and acting in them. Um, you know, in in my experience with with mobile filmmaking, and I'm wondering if it has to do with the fact that you don't have to have all these, you know, the big equipment and things like that. Might be something some of our listeners might be interested in with acting. Yeah. Yeah, the the thing about acting, I, I think, um, yeah, there is a, there is a big difference between stage acting and and um, acting for film. Yeah. And uh, the the way I, I like to explain it is is in in stage acting, if you look out the window to see if a um, to see if a car's arrived in the driveway, you, you simply have to turn your head in in the right direction. But in film acting, you have to turn your head and focus on the car. Or else the camera will pick up that your that your the lens of your eye didn't move. Yeah. So so it's 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 that's the difference is, and um, but I I think there's you know I've I've seen some amazing performances on stage, and uh, and in this film we we tried to sort of to slow the film down, to to have the time to 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 find those performances, and um, because it's in one location. It's it's the the bulk of the film was really the the two characters talking, so so there was there was time for for a really um, yeah for, for for them to really show what they can do, uh, and um, yeah I'm, I'm I'm very pleased with the performances. Yeah, I mean, there's also this other factor which is you know um, 
in in on stage, right? When you're performing, you know, a scene, you run through the whole scene, even if it, or or the same one act, whatever it may be. But it's continuous. Um, whereas in film, it it's really broken up. I mean, you know, I was telling you I was a script supervisor with continuity and everything. And the one thing I'll never forget was the day that we were shooting uh, the second part of the same scene. And the wardrobe came to me and asked me, was his shirt, was the actor's shirt, was it tucked in when he walks away or was it untucked? Because they couldn't, they were having a bit of an argument over it. (laughs) And I was like, that was six days ago, literally, you know. Uh, So I had to go and look through a pile of my script notes because uh, I was very detailed and I could, and I actually came up with that. And I also used to take photos every time something changed, but in act in on a rehearsal, they're able to sort of, uh, it's not just that, but they're also able to stay in character easier. It doesn't get broken up. Yeah, that's right. And, and um, th- th- that's why we, we shot in, in long takes uh, with, with both actors on, on the scenes because, because they, they feed off each other. Um, you know, uh, we're, you know, working together, uh, and in a traditional film, you'd, you'd probably set the camera up and and um, bring the actor on to do to do one side of the of the conversation, and then and then do a reset to turn the camera around. Yeah. So we we didn't do any of that. We 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 it, we did it live, and um, it, it certainly it certainly helps the actors. It's it's much more natural for them. Yeah, I really, I really do think there's a lot of value um, in the way that that you guys shot it, for sure. Um, is there anything else that? Well, actually, there is. Uh, your your film has already been in one film festival that I know of that won an award or something, right? Um, no. <laughs> no. Which one are you thinking of? <laughs> well, I was because uh, there's a poster. Right, that you sent me didn't it have laurels or something, or was it just submitted to one? Oh, um, so it, yeah, no, it has screened in the New Zealand Film Festival. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, but it, it, it hasn't hasn't won any awards. Uh, well, the, 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 yeah, it, it's that just you know a, of yet. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just a uh, yeah, just a, it's just a um, festival, but there's no awards in the New Zealand Film yeah. Festival. Oh, that's really interesting. I did not know that. So the award is screening it, right? Basically. Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, yeah, that it was shown. I like that. That's pretty cool. Um, and so it's been in there, and then you're you're doing, you're running it through different festivals. Um, so that's that's fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, no, not really. Uh, I just yeah, I just. Uh... We're just getting the film out there. We're, we're hoping that people are going to um, have the opportunity to see it and enjoy it. So we're going to we're going to share with all of you guys, all our listeners. We're going to share some links uh, so you can uh, watch the. Well, we you know uh, Steph. We also write an article when we do our podcast, so we're going to share the um, your link to your trailer um, yes. and right. uh, you know the. You have a Facebook page, right? Yes. Um, and why don't you, do you have, what is the shout out uh, to 
the Facebook page just for people who don't want to even read right now. <laughs> the the Facebook page is called uh, Blue Moon Hyphen NZ Film. And then you are you're in New Zealand, and Jed does all your actors actually they're from New Zealand, but do they all live there or? Uh, yes, it, everyone's everyone's living in New Zealand at the moment. Yeah. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So yeah, so everybody watch the trailer. You're gonna, it's, it's very intriguing. Um, it makes you want to, you know, go to the movies and watch it. But you'll have to wait until it's released, right? That's right. Yep. So, and when did you film it? When did you complete the filming? I should say. So, so we finished in uh, August 2018. Wow. So it's it's basically it's not even a year away no awesome no we're still still um still pursuing the festival circuit and and um hopefully it will be online sometime soon great and what is uh do you have any hint you can share with us about what story you we might see from you the next time uh the, the next film it, it will be a comedy i'm working on a comedy and Dark Horse uh, Films, um, that's your company? That's right, yes. Yeah, so we'll we'll share with everybody your website as well. Um, okay. Wonderful. Well, we're going to say goodbye to our listeners. Would you like to say goodbye to our listeners? Uh, yes, thank, thank you for listening. And, um, yeah, good, good luck with all your uh, film productions, etc. Great. All right, listeners. Um, you know what you got to do. You got to make a feature film now. <laughs>